a year into co-founding Loon, what what's it been like? Oh, definitely fun, hundred yeah. percent fun. But also, um, I am very pragmatic, or at least have been at the beginning. And uh, so, I think at the beginning we shipped our product after two months of literally me and Eric, who's my co-founder, we got started. Uh, we closed our first customers three days after launching. Um, we closed our second customer one month after launching. So it was all great. We started like amazingly well. Um, then things become more difficult, obviously. Uh, you realize, especially me, that I always, I always been in B2C companies. And this is basically, except for a short stint in, in the past, it's, it's been like the first real uh, B2B company. And then you start realizing how actually long sales cycles are, uh, but also, you know, doubly rewarding once you close one of these bigger, like big customers. Um, so we started like, like amazingly well. Uh, then you kind of hit like the wall of like difficulties. Then you overcome those difficulties. Um, so definitely after one year, I've learned a lot. Um, I definitely know how to manage expectations for myself better. It's, uh, I, I, I learned how these sales cycles are. Uh, on the people side, I mean, we have an amazing team. Um, my main advice would be, but I've always known this, so it's just a confirmation uh, that just hire amazing people that are aligned with what you do, give them autonomy, and then keep them accountable, um, but not one or the other. Um, just can let them lose out with accountability um, because they are going to give the best of themselves. And, you know, always be focused on the most impactful thing. So always be closing, always work on what's really like necessary to move the needle to the next step forward, especially after one year. I mean, a one-year business is a very young business. Um, with very few people, we have to be really pragmatic and focused on what's really impactful. Uh, tell us about Loon and and what you and Eric have been building uh, over yep. the last year. We say our mission is to make every product and service climate positive by default. What does that mean? Um, more consumers, more and more consumers are demanding that the products and services they buy are sustainable. It's a bit of a new trend, I would say, in the last five years. Um, companies are listening. And, but they don't know how to act on it. Or they know they have to be sustainable. Some, some, some company really want truly to be sustainable. Some are doing it just because market forces uh, or both. Um, but they still treat climate as a cost center. Um, so they, they are taking hits. They're paying the cost because their consumers are demanding, because the market is demanding this. Um, but they're not sure how to uh, it's just a cost. They don't know what to do with it. Like, it's just a cost. So what we do is we provide an API which allows companies to make climate impact part of their customer experience. So flipping it from cost to business driver. And once they do that, they embed climate impact into the product and they see a return on investment because their consumers are seeing that uh, the product and service they buy are sustainable uh, they are being listened. They favor sustainable products and companies see the return on investments. Um, I can 
name a few examples. If you have a, for example, logistics company who is our customer who has trialed offsetting uh, as, a, as a test and 67% of their consumers, of their clients have decided to pay the price and use, just pay more for their shipments. Um, and now really it has, it has become like a sales driver. Um, so a logistics company uses our API. You can estimate emissions of your shipment and the, their client can choose which is more appropriate one, depending on cost, delivery time, uh, vehicle or methods, let's say, or even emissions. Uh, and then decide to pay or not to pay and six, seven percent of consumers pay. Again, or neobanks, now very popular. Um, we have neobank customers who wants to educate their users on everyday purchases, how much each of their transaction item emits. And we are able to estimate emissions and then also offset those and, and so on. And, could, and for example, retail companies, it's very popular to like contribute 1% of the checkout uh, cost towards camera removal. And our API seamlessly allows them to do that. Smart. The, these companies, especially the logistics company as an example, that they mm-hmm. need to be well on their way to, to being carbon positive, right? Surely. Um, so it's an interesting, it's a good question. So the carbon market is actually divided into two. There's the compliance market, uh, which we do not operate in. Uh, big companies like oil, oil companies belong to it. Uh, massive polluters belong to it and they have to uh, offset emissions. We operate in a voluntary carbon offsetting market, which means there's no obligation for our clients to be sustainable or to offset their emissions. So they are doing this because their customers are demanding it. They're doing this so that they can increase their sales as well as having climate impact. Smart. Talk to us a little bit about your API then. Take us through that and how that actually integrates into businesses. So we have a simple REST API because they're REST APIs are very popular. Um, I think what's um, the emphasis on our API is very much simplicity first and correctness also first uh, at the same time. Um, what does a, a simple API and a correct API ensure that the developers on the other side know how to communicate with us without ambiguity? And if it's simple, then we ensure that they integrate in the fastest possible way. Again, you know, sales cycles are long. If you can make it easier, or if you can make, if we add convenience into the integration process, um, that we see results. And, and that's our approach, um, which actually the way we develop API. So we all know about these software development life cycles. Um, yeah. but it's very, we also have an API life cycle. Um, so hmm. before writing any code, any single line of code, if it requires an API change, um, we actually start by the API spec. Um, so the API is first, it's not an afterthought. We just first iterate on a spec. Uh, there are many spec nowadays, uh, especially for REST APIs, three in yeah. particular, there's open, open API, 
async API, which is an evolution of open API. Yeah. There's JSON schema, which is a subset of open API. Um, but basically what we do is we have an open API schema, uh, and we make changes as if we were making changes to software. Uh, we push our changes to GitHub, just API spec changes. We debate them and we, we ensure that they're simple. They are correct. They're delivering on the correct expectations always. And so it's this human readable spec, but, but also machine readable. And if it's machine readable, it enables us to create tooling. Um, so we use the spec for testing, which can be auto-generated. We use a spec for documentation, which is also auto-generated. In fact, we have our own tool, which produces our documentation. We have client libraries, which are also auto-generated. And this is only enabled because of the whole API life cycles that we I was going to say, is that almost like your discovery phase? Is that your discovery phase, your API life cycle? Is that like your discovery phase um, to see which API best fits the use case of the business that you're trying to integrate with? Um, yeah, you could say so. Uh, we, we sometimes just write a spec and discuss it in, potential, in prospect calls um, with our counterparties. and. It really helps us uh, drive the conversation. So we write a spec, which is both human readable, con uh, machine readable, and consumable. You can write code, you can generate code, you can write tooling, and it ensures that it ensures correctness on both sides. We use it for validation on our side. Clients use it for validation on their side. Um, but also, and I just want to highlight, you know, everyone uses GitHub. You know, it's yeah. the classic Git flow. GitHub flow approach, you, 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 you create, you branch off main or master, you make your changes, you push your code. Um, so we treat API changes differently than code changes. We always start by API. So once we have set the schema, we have a well-defined schema, then we iterate uh, to the schema. And only after we've merged the schema, we then move on to implementation. Um, so literally we take we have two life cycles. One is the API okay. life cycle and one is the software development life cycles. Just I to emphasize correctness. Um, and why is incorrectness so important for us? Well, um, it kind of trickles down to then the way we operate as a company and the way we communicate also internally. So if you start with a nice, clear, correct API, that way of working which emphasizes correctness, yeah. then reflects on also on how you actually implement uh, the problems or the solutions of the problems you have to solve. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying the API lifecycle versus software engineering lifecycle. Uh, I was going to ask that as in, could there be some differences? You clarified a couple of elements. Mm. Um, software development lifecycle and versus API lifecycle. Yes, I mean, it, I think there are no differences, but we just treat them very separately because yeah. of the emphasis of co on correctness. And sometimes you can just 
mix and match them. Like, I mean, put them all together and just, you have no idea. Or mix the changes between software and API. Uh, but, and I've, yeah, so the software should not dictate the way the spec is, uh, the way the spec evolves. It's the spec of the API that should then dictate. Uh, this should be independent from the way you develop the software. And it should really be given or treated as a first class citizen because that is your surface area that your clients use to communicate with you. And once you have that emphasis on correctness and on communication, it, it, it just highlights, it trickles down to the way you operate as a company. So there are many, many APIs out there, which you probably had the term API mess. Uh, I've seen many APIs in many organizations, uh, in many projects, and I, I literally think it reflects the way an organization communicates. Um, so it, it, yes, API simplicity, simplicity and API's correctness is what we aim for. It's said so many times on this podcast, by the way, not, not so much of an emphasis on APIs, but your architecture reflects the communication um, inside mm-hmm. your business. So I can probably see um, some some connotations there. What, what does the API actually enable for business for businesses? Uh, help us understand that and and yeah. what you're actually building and the and we know the value, but help us understand mm-hmm. the picture that it gives businesses. Mm-hmm. We have an API for emission calculations and carbon offsetting. On the emission calculation side, um, we enable businesses to calculate the emissions of certain categories of uh, like logistics, everyday purchases, uh, electricity, and so on and on. On the carbon removal side, um, we connect our clients with carbon project developers across the world and make it super easy for them to access a curated list of super high quality carbon offsets. Um, So really like, we make it so easy to purchase carbon offsets. Um, maybe I should tell you how businesses, businesses have purchased offsets in the past. Um, it's usually to consultants, um, where, you know, the whole uh, engage, engaging, engaging with a consultants usually used to take months. Um, used to pay 30 to 70% more on the carbon offsets that you actually purchased. Um, they will not tell you how much their fee is. Um, so there's no transparency, uh, super expensive, super slow. And usually you have to call them up or email them. Yeah. Um, why with us? We have a simple API. We take care of all the complexity. Okay. Um, if you want a one-off purchase, you can just log into our dashboard, place an order in 30 seconds. We only provide a list on our platform, super high quality carbon offsets to ensure there's no green, like risk of greenwashing um, because we spend so much time analyzing those. And we just bring technology to a market which has lacked technology for so many years. That's simple. The The emphasis that I've seen on, on your website and you talk about this quite freely is in low code. And you've spoken here in uh, around a developer experience or being able to create a developer experience or being API first and simple to use. Have you learned a lot about 
this mindset over the last 12, 15 months and what it takes to really get it right? The, the answer is very simple. Integration takes a long time. No one likes to integrate. Everyone wants to integrate in like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not more. No more than an hour. So what I've learned is things have to be simple. They have to be correct. They have to be clear. Communication always have to be clear in the API as well as, you know, face-to-face -face communication or written communication. And simplicity. Um, so yeah, we're building our way up from the API. We're building tools, um, which, uh, are fully fledged features and they're mostly for companies who, uh, do not have a development team or don't have the time to test a feature or spend enough time to implement a certain feature to be tested and then to actually implement or, uh, take fully live to all of their customers. Um, so, Speed and convenience uh, are what our customers are asking us for. Talk, talk to us a little bit about some of your customers and or, or industries that they're in, or maybe even some trends that you're seeing industries move towards. I've got a couple of ideas, but I, I want to hear it from you. We really truly believe that every product and services service will have their emission neutralized or if not neutralized that any product and services will contribute towards carbon removal um, independently from the emission that a particular product has emitted and you can see and eventually and i think it not it has started already it will happen more and more eventually every single payment that you will perform, uh, will have some sort of percentage that will go towards carbon removal. It, it is starting, it is continuing, and I think it will, it, it will happen. I mean, the alternative is a tax, uh, which no one likes, uh, which actually usually doesn't bring too many benefits. Um, I'm sure there are benefits, uh, but direct contribution towards carbon removal each transaction, um, I think, will happen in not too distant future. Love it. I, I can see that. Uh, and I, I thought finance generally, um, payments yeah. specifically, yeah. Payments, yeah. Would be, you know, would be the number one there or thereabouts. But mm -hmm. I, I had logistics up there, even just referring back to, you know, point number one. I, I had logistics up there um, as. I think one of the areas that I think customers, it, it feels as if they're a lot more aware of what's happening in the logistics world than they might be in the payments world. That's my impression. Um, that is correct. That, that's absolutely correct. So logistics companies, especially the more digitally aware logistics mm -hmm. companies, they are like on it now. Okay. Um, payments companies will be. Um, there's already one payment company, which is leading the way, uh, yeah. not our customer. Um, they're doing everything in-house. Um, okay. But, you know, their peers are seeing them and they're seeing their success and are understanding that to really differentiate, they need to integrate carbon removal into payments. 
are, are you seeing insights from some of the companies that you've worked with that they've been really able to drive growth in sales? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's statistics around this. Um, um, I, I do not want to focus on uh, customers we have not announced yet or customers yeah, yeah. or companies which are which have published uh, metrics which are not our customers but they are like great metrics um for for example I, I can i can make an example so there's one payments company uh in the us who allowed their merchants to opt in to a percentage contribution towards camera renewal and 10 percent of new customers in their onboarding flow have opted in to actually pay one percent or half percent of each transaction towards camera renewal and this company has an amazing stability team. It's leading the way, um, but which is an amazing validation metric for us. Um, but now payments companies want to follow um, because they see that this is working. This is driving business together with climate impact. And what's the best way to get started? Well, company like you. Yeah. Well, where are your areas of operation? It's yeah, global business. Uh, mostly our customers are in Europe, uh, but we don't specifically focus on Europe. We focus on three verticals, which are um, payments or fintech also, yeah. um, logistics, um, and retail and consumer. Nice. To talk to us a little bit about um, some of what you think is to come with, with Loom and products and services you feel you can offer? Obviously, don't give us any secrets. So so this market is very early. Um, The the voluntary carbon offset market, we are at the very beginning of, I would say, a transformation of the market when it comes to technology. Um, So what you will see in a not too short term, you you might see us... uh, in, well, logistics companies using us. Uh, we allow them to white, lab- to use us as a white, like a white label solution. So you might That's see well. us, you might not see us. It depends. Um, payments companies, fintech companies, uh, calculating their emissions and then offsetting those. And I guess on the more visible side, uh, soon we'll have a few consumer app customers, uh, where you will be able to see our logos. Love it. Okay. Uh, help us understand a little bit about the, the people growth inside the business. We're, we've got an audience of two and a half thousand engineers that, that watch us or listen to us across multiple channels. Mm-hmm. It would be really good to understand um, your vision from a technical standpoint as to where you'll grow, probably coincide with a product standpoint as well. But help mm-hmm. us understand the, the types of people that you're interested in speaking to in the business over the yeah. course of the coming months, year. We need to double team size, actually more than double. Today we are 11. We want to finish the year at 25 or around 25. Um, um, Solid. That's not just software engineers, but throughout the company. And the way we operate right now, is very simple. We are going to continue working the way we operate. It's 
literally based on two principles, autonomy and accountability, as I said at the beginning. So we want to give everyone who works here freedom to give their best. We do not definitely want to be loon that is hindering their growth or their impact. Uh, yeah. They need to make sure that they can give their best. We are here to help them. Uh, but we're also here to keep them accountable and keep them on the right track. Um, so we give people a lot of freedom, a lot of autonomy to solve the right problems or the problems that they think there are the right problems and the problems that are impactful for us to reach next stage. Um, but then, you know, we also expect efficiency and dedication and at the end of the day, you also need to deliver. Um, yeah. But it's fine if you, f failure is fine. We reflect all together and how to improve. Um, yeah. But I think if really giving people autonomy with responsibility um, is the way forward. With that growth, where do you think some of your pro product and engineering challenges will be? First of all, we started a year ago. Uh, we are already rewriting our stack. We have this first rewrite. We probably will have a few more rewrites. Uh, so I, I can see on the performance, we probably have to improve uh, soon on one side of the API. Then moving more towards the backend, um, the way we provision uh, or the way we interact with our suppliers needs to improve. It's still very manual. We made it very easy for our customers to purchase carbon offsets, but we still operate in like a very old school way. And therefore, we need to improve the supply side or the supply side way of communicating with our suppliers. And we are already working on that. Um, and, but the, the challenge are, go are going to be, that is where I see the challenges. And then the markets, you know, becoming more and more. So demand is out stripping supply. Yeah. Uh, so, so we'll have to see how to, how to manage that also. Love it. It, it almost feels as if the industry is not even 1% done or 1% touched. I think that's the joy. I know, it's just, it. just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Yeah, that, that's the joy of it. It looks as if you got, you know, a really healthy seed round that's obviously done you guys really well. I, I'm especially interested to see where you, Eric, the team, grow the business, um, see if you are on consumer-facing apps um, in the period of time that you say, yep. and, and see where I can spot yep. you guys and girls. And I, th I think hopefully... It will make people, hopefully listening to this, be a lot more aware about where they're spending their money or how they can be climate positive, you know. So mm -hmm. a big thanks for, for coming and sharing your story and talking to us a little bit about what Luna doing and some of the challenges, fun challenges a bit, um, that you guys and girls have got. I want to say a big thanks for that. Thank you, Liv absolute pleasure hey guys thanks for watching this episode uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us if you want to find out more about us and what we're doing please check us out on social media what we're trying to do at engineers is build a community to drive knowledge sharing and experiences on twitter we can be found uh, engineers io it's no underscore 
We've also got a website which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks guys.